Running up the score. You're listening to the Running Up the Score podcast. Now here's your hosts, Jerry Napoleonello and Kevin Donlin. Welcome back to another episode of Running Up the Score. I'm Jerry Napoleonello. He's Kevin Donlin. Week 7 is here. But we're here to talk about what we saw in week 6. There's a lot of stuff that happened this week. You know, some teams are just really bad and we're starting to see it more and more every week. So we'll get into that. And, uh, you know, some teams are are really, really good. And we're really starting to see that. So it's starting to expand itself here. Now you're starting to see the bad teams and the really good teams. We'll get into all of that. So let's get right into it. What we learned in week six. What we learned. Week six. First and foremost, as we've always said, the NFL is unpredictable. It's not like other sports like basketball where you basically know who's going to win the championship. The NFL is very unpredictable. What you see on paper to what you see on the gridiron, totally different. So we'll get right into the first thing that happened. How about the Packers getting absolutely smacked by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Did we see that happening? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I did. On the basis that not completely smacked, but uh, I did expect a Tampa win in this one. I think their defense was just a lot better than what Green Bay has to offer, and I think both offenses are similarly good. I thought Green Bay could have ran the ball a lot better and a lot more early on in that game. I feel like them throwing the ball, they threw the ball right back to the Tampa Bay defense, literally. There's no reason why that game should have been as far apart as it was. But I still expected Tampa to win regardless. But the fact that they abandoned the run so early, you know, winning 10 nothing at the time, there's really no excuse there. I put that all completely on the head coach there. When it comes to Aaron Rodgers, that was one of the worst performances I've seen from him maybe in his career to be totally honest with you I now, thought don't get me wrong I mean it takes you know the quarterback to throw the pick to be oh yeah know, no mistake absolutely but, uh, I just that's felt not a situation like you uh throw the ball and you're up 10 nothing you're supposed to be uh finding other ways to uh, move the ball especially when with the lead I mean you're trying to run that clock down at that point the clock is nothing but your friend and they just they found a way to you know throw the game away and Tampa Bay definitely didn't look back yeah, I just thought that Aaron Rodgers was off most of the game. He got pressure in his face a lot. As I said, you know, he kind of looked very human in this one. And this is these are the craziest stats. Uh, just basically talking about interceptions. These were the first two interceptions that he had all season so far. So we're in week six. Well, now we're in week seven. And he's only had two interceptions all season. Two interceptions that happened in a three-pass span. But I think the most interesting stat was that this is his third pick six. Not of this season, not of last season, two seasons before that combined. No, this is his third pick six of his career. Like, you could just see how great of a career that Aaron Rodgers is having to the point where some guys have three pick sixes in three weeks. And this guy's got three pick sixes in his whole career. He's been playing for, what, almost 
he's got to be up at 12 years or so. Altogether, you're not going to see another performance like this from Aaron Rodgers again. So if you're a Packers fan and this game kind of scared you, I wouldn't be too worried about it. They were bound to have a game like this because they've been playing so well. And it just, it was oil and water really. You know, Tampa Bay was just a better team altogether. Defense, offense. Gronk finally scored his first touchdown in 679 days. So it was nice to see that combination between Brady and Gronkowski finally progressing into a a touchdown, you know, something that we saw a lot of when they were in New England. So it was nice to see. It was a nice, you know, breath of fresh air for the Buccaneers after coming off a loss to the Bears the week before in a very questionable game for Tampa Bay and Tom Brady where the talk was that uh, Tom Brady didn't even realize what down it was in the game against the Bears in crunch time. Like that was, it was something that you never saw from Tom Brady. So back-to-back weeks, something that we didn't see from Tom Brady ever really in his career. And, you know, a game like this for Aaron Rodgers, you really don't see a game like this from Aaron Rodgers, you know, in his career. So, you know, altogether, it was a great performance for Tampa Bay and a very poor performance for the Packers. I just feel like there's really not much to worry about when it comes to the Packers. No, not at all. I think their defense still got some uh, nicks here and there that they got to clean up a little bit. But, uh, you know, this team is going to go as far as Aaron Rodgers goes. And unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers didn't perform that well on Sunday. So, you know, they, you know, they went down and, you know, rode the sinking ship with them. It's just a disappointing loss, but it's one loss. It's not really the end of the world. Uh, Green Bay's in a... You know, still in really good hands with uh, Aaron Rodgers at the helm. Continuing to go with the unpredictability, the Browns. I don't know if it was more unpredictable that they were doing so well (laughs) coming into this week or that they basically fell flat on their face in this one. But the Browns came back down to being the Browns again. You know, that division is tough, and those games are tough. Those division games are always going to be rough. Those teams have to meet again. I wouldn't be surprised if it turned... The other way, I mean, that game really was out of hand off a pick six. You know, uh, Baker Mayfield threw a bad interception early. And that game was basically out of out of reach at that point. You know, once you throw a pick six like that, almost similar to what Aaron Rodgers had done. You know, you're throwing the ball out of these games. That's why running the ball is so imperative in this league. Uh, you know, when you're passing the ball, there's no doubt that there's a greater risk at a turnover as opposed to you know when you run the football, unless you're the Dallas I, that Cowboys. could be argued. That could be argued forever, but I'll always stand by that. And I think most head coaches in the NFL stand by that. I think that's why you see a lot of teams run the ball really effectively. And if they are, then they continue with it. You don't want to be in a game where you're passing all game long. You'll force things and make a mistake. And you know we saw it even happen in uh, that Tennessee game a little bit. You saw uh, Tannehill try to keep up off a big touchdown. He threw a pick, and Tennessee almost lost that game. You know, you can't throw the ball in iffy situations. These quarterbacks got to be smarter. Either throw it away, take the sack. You know, you got a lot of these guys trying to force plays. And I, I blame the NFL for that. And I think it's because, you know, you're protecting the quarterback so much. Back in the day, when quarterbacks wanted to make these difficult throws, knowing a hit was coming, you know, they would second guess making these throws and take the sack, protect the ball, punt the ball away, trust your defense, 
to get the ball back and, you know, try to still win that field position battle. Fortunately, you get a lot of players that a lot of quarterbacks, especially in this NFL now, that will throw it knowing I am protected. You know, if this guy really wants to hit me as hard as he's going to hit me, he's got to watch out for a flag. And the whole mindset of uh, being a quarterback in the NFL and making those difficult throws, you'll see the big difference. And it's probably why you've seen a higher scoring NFL than you've ever really have before. Even before the no fans this year, this this league was a very pass-friendly and high-scoring league now. And uh, people call it more exciting. But I think it's exciting when you see teams make stops. I mean, football is such a great sport that way. But, uh, you know, to the average fan, you know, it's more exciting getting all these big plays and all these touchdowns and these big throws. And uh, the NFL is going to give the fans what they want. It's always going to be an offensive league, especially now. But the Browns, it's you know what it is with them? It's it's not just a loss. It can never just be a loss with the Browns. It's always something comes out of it. Oh, Odell took his cleats off before the game was over and this and that. And it's always like something that happens. And it's always the organization is always answering questions for things that should not be questioned, basically. And that's that's the stuff that happens with the Browns, and they're just so much more better off when they're winning th- compared to when they're losing because it's always well, going to be fall, something they're else. They're falling in the trap. I mean, they have, my point with this is that basically that Kareem Hunt is a very capable running back. You just ran for you know over 100 yards yeah. in multiple games going into this one. And you I got mean, Maker, they have a Baker very... Mayfield making throws and basically throwing them completely out of this game. I mean, both of them, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they have one of the well, best. Well, Nick Chubb is obviously hurt right no, now. No, I know, but, you know, but I'm Hunt, just saying. I'm just saying that offensive altogether, line has gotten pushed. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. All like, all together, they're going to try and throw the ball in this league, and that, that's going to be the end of it for uh, Cleveland. They continue to play like that. They won't win games, especially in the playoffs against experienced teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers that know that uh, the main goal here is to try to run the football and create plays with end arounds and jet sweeps and use your running back, use Connor, use Snell, which they were both very much involved in that game. And Cleveland had no answer to it. I mean, you have one of the best passers in football. So when you have one of the best pass rushers or you're going up against it, all right, we're going to run the football. Absolutely. Pittsburgh has one of the best pass rushers in football. And you decided to continue to throw it. And at that point, I, you know, I got, I got no, you know, I'm a loss of words. I think every Cleveland fan would agree with me there when I, when I tell you, you got to know your opponent. Pittsburgh's got a good defense. They got a good pass rush. You cannot be passing the ball constantly in that game. No, and, and you th- threw the ball, you threw it away just like that. And that's what I'm just getting at. It was just that even when they did have Nick Chubb, either way, you have Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt, and both. You can run the ball, and they were running the ball very well all through the season so far. So, you know, that's – Yeah, exactly. And on the Steelers' side of it, they lose Devin Bush, which is a huge loss for that defense. We'll see how that affects them going forward because Steelers are still one of the best, if not the best defense in the league. So that's something to look at because Devin Bush is one of their captains on defense. So we'll see what happens. But how about Atlanta? They fired Dan Quinn. They pick up a win. And teams that have fired their coach are now 2-0. Atlanta played a, played a great job. They did a great job. No doubt they did a great job against a Minnesota team that is obviously not anywhere close to a, you know, capable squad yeah. on the basis that, you know, they were out there best running back. 
you know, clearly they went away from the running game real early. You watched Kirk Cousins throw three interceptions in that game. I'm not giving credit to the Atlanta head coach for that. Minnesota handed that game right to him. Well, Atlanta. yeah, absolutely. And that's the Atlanta head coach. I mean, that's the Minnesota head coach showing, hey, uh, maybe I should be right out the door with him because I don't know how to win a football game. I see Atlanta throw, 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 throw. So I'm going to try and match it. When I don't have Matt Ryan, I have Kirk Cousins. I throw three interceptions in the first half. That game was basically out of hand. And just credit to Atlanta. I'll give credit to the coaching staff for one reason. They had a 20 nothing lead at halftime, and they uh, they kept the lead. That's yeah. the one thing I'll give credit for the Atlanta head coaching staff for is that they can actually hold on to a lead. But I blame Minnesota 100% for losing that game, in particular their coaching staff. Once again, three interceptions in the first half, Jerry. You, oh, I, you cannot throw me, the I, ball in this league constantly. Yep. You need to be able to establish a running game, and these should be third downs and third down and twos, third down and threes, where you are not required to throw the ball. See, and this but is where. But unfortunately, these teams keep abandoning it, and that's it. When it comes to Minnesota, it's this is the reason why you can't really trust this team. You know, they're they're a solid team everywhere else, but Kirk Cousins. And I, I'm always going to say it. Kirk Cousins is the downfall of this Minnesota Vikings team. And you know what? He had he goes out, does you know very well in one game, and then comes up and puts three interceptions in the first half. When it comes to Minnesota, Minnesota is that team that it's like you don't really know what you're going to get week to week because you don't know what you're going to get Kirk Cousins week to week. So to me, Minnesota is a very on and off team and stay far away from that team. Atlanta Atlanta is a very, very talented offense. Very talented. And now I'm hearing all kinds of, you know, trade well, rumors. Their, but, their defense but, is god-awful, and you should be able to run the but ball. But that's what I'm saying. Like, and that's exactly you know, what happened with Minnesota there. They threw the ball way too early in that game, threw it out of their hands, and they, they basically threw it away, just like these other teams we mentioned before. But even it's that, it's becoming like, an ongoing trend in this league. You throw interceptions in this league, you turn the ball over. You're never going to win. And when you throw a football and you choose a throwing play, just know you have a higher percentage of turning it over. Yeah, like that's the way it should be seen, but it's not because of so many variables, like I talked about, where we're protecting quarterbacks and now quarterbacks can step up and make these throws, knowing like they're not going to take a crazy hit. Yeah, because the refs are there to absolutely protect them, which is right. But now you're now you're seeing quarterbacks take an extra step, you know, from way back in the day where these quarterbacks would eat it and, uh, you know, take the sack or throw the throw ball the away. Ball. Now they're trying to force these plays and nothing good can happen from this stuff. And like I said, three interceptions in the first half, you're throwing games away. All these teams. That's what I'm saying. Atlanta's defense is so set up for the opposing quarterback to have a good game. And the fact that Kirk Cousins did not have a good game against Atlanta's defense, that's troubling to me. And troubling to Vikings and Vikings fans. We move on to the Patriots. How about the Patriots falling to 2-3 and three for the first time since 2001? They finally get Cam Newton back. I don't know if it was rust. I don't know what you want to call it with Cam Newton. He didn't look good. I'll call it very, something very simple for you, Jerry. They didn't practice. They barely practiced all week long. I watched so many people get eliminated out of a suicide pool this week on the basis that <laughs> Why would you pick a team that hasn't been able to practice yeah. all season long? Yeah, Basically, they, at this point, I, I mean, think the Thursday they with the COVID nineteen. Yeah, they lost three players to it. 
These are players that were practicing. Now they couldn't. The whole team got sent home multiple times. I mean, I'll credit Tennessee because they've been in a similar boat, and they're still finding ways to win games. But sometimes it doesn't work that way for a Bill Belichick-run team that's been ran the same way for the past 20-plus years. When you see that, you know, you constantly have to be reminded that, you know, teams under Bill Belichick, they're under a certain agenda, and they're trying to, you know, go on a certain route. And when you start throwing little curveballs in and sending this team home midday, virtual meetings, it's a big difference. And you saw it on Sunday with New England. I'm not really, like, worried about them as a team. I think they'll be fine. I think their defense still looked really good despite the fact Denver had great field position many times in that game. I'm not really worried about New England. I'm worried about the fact that they couldn't practice. Cam Newton has barely practiced in the past three weeks, yet you wanted him to go out on Sunday and make that team's offense a completely different. And, you know, listening to someone say something like that and be shocked is almost – it's mind-boggling to me. You're not understanding what's happening right now with COVID-19 and what's happening to these players, what they're going through. Cam Newton didn't have a chance to practice or communicate with his teammates, really. Aside from Zoom, there was no contact. That's a big difference, a big deal. And obviously, uh, you saw it on Sunday. They were just short, a lot of mistakes. And that, again, dropping back to throw, Cam Newton fumbles. Cam Newton picked off, and it was which was a weird-looking pick, but nonetheless, it was an interception. <laughs> yeah. These are turnovers. Because you're throwing the ball on third and seven, third and eight. You're not running the ball effectively. Running the ball effectively is going to do everything for this team. That was a very nice I, interception, by the way. It was a very nice I, I, I interception. Mean, for it's just weird the way it went. You know what I mean? For, but again, for a defensive are, line to, to dive like that and catch the ball. Oh, yeah, it was unbelievable. <laughs> I, mean, I thought it should have been number one. That's impressive. The Giants, uh, <laughs> yeah, the one you know, where it... It's just at that point, um, you know, you basically – you saw how this game went. You saw the troubles that were happening on offense. Yeah. The, New England D had nothing but terrible field position all game. It held them to all field goals. You still got to try to find a way to win that game. Unfortunately, New England couldn't, but I'm not really worried about them at all, and I'm not really surprised about what happened. I think you start getting Cam Newton some practices, and that offense starts to flow a little better, and the defense will continue to play the way it's been. So the last portion of you know unpredictability, how about the Ravens? Now, the Ravens had a huge lead against Philly in this game. comes to the fourth quarter, and the Ravens give up 22 points in the fourth quarter. After looking like the best defense in the league the prior three quarters, and then the fourth quarter you give up twenty two straight or twenty two points to a team that really hasn't been able to do anything on offense all year long. That, I'm not gonna try and I'm not gonna try and figure out why that happened. It's garbage no, time. Yeah, these, exactly. These possessions meant nothing until the very end of the game. Which, in my opinion, I don't understand why Philly had another opportunity. That was terrible coaching on John Harbaugh, and he got away with it. You can get That's away simple. with it when you're playing a team like Philly just because of how they're playing. But it's still you still have that back of the mind. Like, all right, it's still the the Philadelphia Eagles. They're not a pushover. This year, they just look bad over overall. But they're still not a pushover. There's still that glimpse of all right. Well, we can get this thing going. They're just dealing with a lot of injuries. They're dealing with you know some. Awful play from Carson Wentz. Just overall, I, I I don't think you really put anything on this Ravens defense giving up 22 points in the fourth quarter. I think it, at that point, it's, you know, you're up by a lot. Take the foot off the pedal a little bit, and something well, like this happens, and think, then it just, it's like, all right, well, now we got to crunch I'm down. Even, I'm not taking that game. Baltimore won. They're yeah. moving on. They're, oh, they yeah. don't care how they won. 
I think all it did right there was give Philly some sort of confidence. Yeah. Going into next week against the New York Giants because this division is the disgrace. Yeah. It well, is officially becoming the biggest disgrace in sports. Someone could win this with a five ten and one. It, it's so bad right now. It, it's possible. We're gonna it, get into it, the, the all NFC. four teams in this division are a disgrace, and I think all it did was give Philly a, a confidence boost. I'm not taking anything from Baltimore defense. They had done their job the first three quarters of this game, so they gave up some garbage points. It's yeah, on the coaching to get that team in the position to win that game, and unfortunately the defense was out there in a uh, a game where they could have came all the way back Philly and found a way, you know, Baltimore could have found a way to lose this game. It would have been completely on the Baltimore coaching staff. I don't give Doug Peterson any credit. I don't no, give Carson Wentz any credit. Where yeah. were you guys for the first three quarters? Exactly. This is what continues to happen. you got to have faith. You can't execute in the beginning of a game. I don't care if you execute on first and second down for – an entire fourth quarter, you lost. Yeah. Game's over, you lost. It don't matter if you lost by 20. It don't matter if you lost by 10. And unfortunately, in this game, you lost by two. By the way, Houston beat Jacksonville week five. That was who uh, they beat. Now we move on to, you know, because we had, we have three undefeated teams still in the league. Seahawks, Steelers, Titans. Who do you think is the best out of those three? And we'll go for that. I'll give mine after you. And then we'll go to the next question that I have. I don't even need to think about it. It's like a no doubt the best team out of the three teams you just mentioned is the Tennessee Titans. And they've shown it because it don't matter what gets put in their path. They're finding ways to win football games. You know, what's been going on with COVID-19, you know, the, the Steelers and Seahawks haven't even seen a glimpse of that. Yeah. Imagine Russell Wilson starts catching COVID-19. I mean, then, then, then show me this great Seattle team. They're not great. I've seen Pittsburgh without Ben Roethlisberger before. Not great. You know, I feel like if Ryan Tannehill went down for Tennessee, this team would still find ways to, you know, be good. They're coached very well. That defense is incredible. I think Clowney's done nothing but be an asset for them. Tannehill's been great as, at managing these games and finding ways to move the chains. And Derrick Henry speaks for himself. Probably the one running back in all of football that no defensive player wants to even go after and hit. He's yeah. very difficult to take down. It's, there's no question there, to be honest. There's literally no question that the Tennessee Titans are the best football team in all of football right now. I'm going to say the Steelers just because of well, I feel they are like really good right now. Ben Roethlisberger, yeah. everything, they look great. Yeah, I feel like no doubt Pittsburgh's with defense as well. With the running game with James Conner, the the way that Ben Roethlisberger is playing, I said before we started the season, I said I thought Ben Roethlisberger was going to be the downfall of the Steelers. He's playing well right now. He's playing good enough to keep this team at you know where they're at right now. So when it comes to the Steelers, I think their defense is the difference maker. Their offense is playing very well all together. I think this is the best team out of the undefeated teams. And, you know, I understand where you're coming from with the, the Titans. The Titans, they have one of the best offensive lines in the league. You're seeing that with Der- Derrick Henry now. You know, just overall, Jonu Smith is playing well. You know, then you have two guys on the outside, Corey Davis and A.J. Brown. If they stay healthy, you know, Tannehill's playing very well, which is, you know, mind-boggling to everybody, you know, from the the way that he just transformed from Miami to Tennessee, what they're doing with him in Tennessee. I, I There's no secret that Steelers and the Titans are a very, very, very good team. When it comes to the Seahawks, the Seahawks, they got Russell Wilson. So their offense is always going to put up points, but it's just their defense is their downfall, and it's always going to be their downfall because when you start to get to the playoffs, you know, you're not going to start seeing these 40 to 38 kind of games. It's not going to happen. So 
the playoffs is where your defense has to step up. And when it comes to that, I think Russell Wilson and the, Se- the Seahawks are just going to struggle at that point. But right now, the Seahawks are staying afloat. They're they're undefeated because of the way Russell Wilson's playing. But if we're talking about undefeated teams, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with the Steelers. But the branch off of that question... And I, I, I guess we kind of got your answer with that. I, you know, basically, I was gonna say, do you consider one of these three teams as the best in the league, not just undefeated teams, but just as the best in the league? You know, yeah, I that, think Tennessee's playing like the best football team in right now. I'm gonna, uh, I'm, I'm sticking with Kansas City just because I think they. It was a sour game when it came to Las Vegas. You're playing a division rival. It's. It's division games are always going to be that tough. Doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter how bad you are. I think Kansas City just overall. Then they add Le'Veon Bell. I just think this team is uh, is still that number one team, and and I can't I can't put any one of these teams. I I say the Steelers are very close second, and the Titans and the Steelers are probably on the same level. I would say as seconds to Kansas City, but. I still have to go with Kansas City. I, there's no way I can uh, bet against Patrick Mahomes. Going from undefeated teams to how about we go to defeated teams, teams that don't have wins, and the Giants finally picking their first win up. Although the Jets, on the other hand, picked up another loss, and now the Jets are the only team to not have a win this year. Not only that, they were the only team to be shut out this year so far. Yeah, there's no end in sight. Uh, no, with and the judge struggles. And I uh, wonder <laughs> obviously they're gonna be looking at uh, a lottery pick, most likely the number one overall pick in the draft. Uh I'm just grateful they're doing it while uh we're in a pandemic and we're you know we can't go to these games. <laughs> yeah, and I wanna add this new staple to our to our show, basically, and we'll do it weekly. The Adam Gase meter. Right now Adam Gase is still the head coach of the New York Jets. And we're going to do this every week until he is gone. And Well, honestly, it's a waste to do something like that because, honestly, from the standpoint of a Jet perspective, you know, as a Jet fan, I could care less that he's still the head coach of the New York Jets on the basis that this thing, this ship is already sunk. Let him take it down to the bottom of the ocean. Get the first overall pick in the draft. Get about $80 million in cap space. Do all the trades you need to do, which the Jets are already trading away everybody they can. Yeah, This GM will no doubt be firing him at the end of the year. And we go from there. There's no, I mean, you got you got these media outlets that are literally making a living off of talking oh, about Adam Gates yeah. with the New York Jets. It's a known fact. He is an awful coach. He's embarrassing himself at this point. Yeah. Jet fan, half these Jet fans aren't even watching. I'm not watching. We're not even watching anymore. There's no point. There, there's really no reason to even go into it the new york jets are in a real crappy situation and unfortunately you got to just let adam gases ride this disgusting ship it's not like you hire a new head coach for the new york jets and then all of a sudden going to start winning games they're oh, not yeah i know they don't have the talent to win games right now there now, are a lot of teams right now that are missing the talent now physically to to win games guys are getting hurt left and right the new york giants don't have the skill to win games even though davante freeman has been incredible He's done a great job at filling in for Saquon Barkley, who is yeah. starting to turn into an injury-prone running back. So you don't have the talent to win these ball games. We're not going to go ahead and fire Joe Judge. They know they don't have the talent. 
I know the Jets don't have the talent to win games right now. I know the coaching now, has been god-awful, but the New York Jets completely had controlled time possession in that game. You know, they had every reason on paper to win, and they lost 24 to nothing. Neither team converted a third down until the almost the end of the third quarter. Yeah, That game was an embarrassment. Adam Gase continues to prove that he's the worst head coach in football. I have no problem with it. He, be a sinking ship. It already sank. Let it go down to the bottom of the ocean. There's no reason to continue to talk about it. You got outlets that are talking about it every week. Why isn't he fired? Why isn't he fired? There are plenty of reasons why he's not fired. Because they're not going anywhere regardless. As a GM and a friend of Adam Gase, unfortunately, yeah, I'm going to let sure my friend gets paid for the rest of the year. He's probably not getting another job after this one. Unfortunately, that's the honest truth. Yeah, I don't even think teams would want them as their as an offensive coordinator at this rate. Obviously, the Jets are on pace to be the number one pick. I mean, do you do you really go away from Darnold though? That's the thing that well, that's I'm not be on getting the GM. over. I, you know, it's too early to figure everything. How am I supposed to get an analysis of of Sam Darnold? How is the GM supposed to get an analysis of Sam Darnold? No, yet? I know, yeah. So th- I, th- I just, that's really still up in the air. You know, the New York, there are plenty of teams out there that are going to be looking for a quarterback. I mean, the way Phillip Rivers has played with this Colt team, I don't know how much longer you want to have this guy. And if there's a possibility to cut him and make a trade of draft picks to get someone like Sam Darnold or Trevor Lawrence, they they might fire away. Yeah. And sometimes might have no choice but to overpay because they have such a talented roster. And all you're really missing is the quarterback position. And let's be honest, as a rookie quarterback or Sam Darnold's rookie contract as a quarterback, you're not paying the quarterback anything. Those are the teams that you want to hand over a quarterback if you have to. I have no problem having Trevor Lawrence drafted number one overall. Let Sam Donald play and just way- see what you have. The value for Trevor Lawrence won't just go away. It'll continue to go up there, especially if Sam Donald's playing really good football, which I, I've seen Donald play some great football at times. I'm not really worried about him. He has nobody to work with. And that that's defense my is thing. off the field just as quick as they get on every time. The offense has no time to be, you know, <laughs> do any kind of resting up. I can't name an offensive lineman for the New York Jets since Sam Darnold has been on this team. <laughs> a relevant one. So it's hard to really make that analysis right now. And yeah. between you and me watching Andy Dalton and with the Dallas Cowboy offensive line, you see the difference? It's a big difference. Yeah. You need the talent. And the oh, Jets I, don't have the talent. Me, I know. There's no reason to keep, uh, you know, to go hire a new head coach right now, midseason. I mean, what what head coach wants to come here right now? Honestly, well, and that's that's the thing. Like, what head I coach? Just, I just feel like come here when it comes to it, they they have so many holes in so many positions on this team. I just feel like Sam Darnold's not one of them, and I think that you can no, not at all. You can spread like you can get a big hole for that number one pick. And then use it to fill all the other spots because you know you're at least going to get one first round pick, possibly two. Then you you're definitely going to get maybe one or two second round picks. I mean, just overall, right there, you're getting like four ready to play in the NFL first year players in one draft. I just feel like that's that's the way to go. If you do pick up the number one pick, but you know, obviously this is going to be a talk all across, you know, the rest of the season when it comes to the Jets, because we're just going to be dealing with this. You know, the Giants are still around that realm. You know, you have what's going on with Washington. You know, there's a lot of bad teams out there that are definitely going to be in that top five, top 10, 
you know, draft range. And we're going to be talking what about what's going to happen. The season, how many one in four, one in five teams? I trust me when I tell you Adam Gase is one of many that should be fired. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, granted, Adam Gase's talent on his team is he's got nothing. He should definitely be fired. They haven't coached well at all. But I could name, honestly, I can name seven guys that are doing an awful job of coaching. Yeah. Seven. Just like that. Doug Peterson, god awful. <laughs> Mike McCarthy's been god awful. Dallas should not be two and three. They should easily be three and two, minimum. But unfortunately, Mike McCarthy has put them in situations to lose. The same thing with Doug Peterson. The Phillies should not be one and four. Yeah. These teams are too talented to have these kind of records. It, it, it's almost an embarrassment now. Now, I know the list goes on for Philly with their injuries from the wide receivers. Injury goes on, list goes on for the Dallas Cowboys with all their. At the same time, you find ways to win. Yeah. The good coaches always do it. Bill Belichick, you wouldn't be surprised. Six different players on their defensive side aren't playing. They're still one of the best defenses in football. You, you do the math. Yeah, absolutely. You've you got to figure out a way to win games. And unfortunately, right now I'm watching teams like Philly, Dallas, uh, Atlanta. You know, these teams were all finding ways to lose games. Not not finding ways to win, but finding ways to lose. Losing games yourself. Turning the ball over three times in the first half, you're not winning. I don't care who you are. Don't tell me it's a lack of talent from someone like Zeke Elliott. Yeah. Listen, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. You just can't you can't you can't throw that in my you know, you can't throw that there. Yeah. There are too many head coaches in the NFL right now that really don't you know the ones who really deserve their job? Probably the Shanahan, the Rams head coach. The other young kid, uh, he's a great head coach, too. Yeah. You know, even Carroll, because Seattle's done a great job despite them not having a lot of talent on that team. Yeah. But they find ways to win. I'm seeing too many head coaches finding ways to lose. And I promise you, come after the season, Adam Gase will not be alone on that oh, dreadful Monday morning. Not. Absolutely not. Um, but it, it's funny because, you know, you're, we're dealing with this a lot this season. At least one team in all six weeks, has come back from a 16-plus point deficit for the first time ever. And the yeah, Colts trailed incredible. The Colts trailed 21-0 to the Bengals, obviously ended up winning that game. But it's just it's amazing how that we're seeing something that's never happened before. And, you know, the fact that it's, it's happening like that, it's not just a, a seven-point deficit. It's not 10. No, these, we're talking about 16-plus points. One team has done it each week for the last six weeks. That's unbelievable, and that's what you're seeing with the offenses now in this league, especially this year with what has been going on and, and whatnot. Moving to the Rams, though. The Rams, outside of the NFC East teams, they're 0-2. They're 4-0 in the NFC East, but they're 0-2 against anybody else. Do you see that as a as an issue? Do you see that? Like, Do you see the Rams kind of struggling because I mean the NFC East they're they're easy games you know for anybody else so the fact that the Rams are 0-2 and one of them being against their own division that's that's questionable when it comes to the Rams I think the Rams are still trying to find their identity in some sort there's a lot of problems there I think the running game is a big issue they don't really have an established back uh though the defense for them is actually played yeah. you know decently over the first few weeks you know, I know there was one game in particular where Goff lost it for them and complete, like completely lost it for them. I think some adjustments need to be made with them, but I think uh, there's really 
there should be reasons to worry on the basis that you do have San Fran and Seattle, and these, this is going to be a tough division to make the playoffs with. But uh, every team's over five hundred. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's one of the toughest divisions, no doubt. But uh, yeah, the Rams might find victim. I mean, they're going to have to find ways to win against the division and not just beat the NFC East. Right now, you know, they're looking like the team that could end up possibly at the bottom. Talking about the bottom, how about the Washington football team? They lose another one to the Giants. But this is where I wanted to discuss with you. Rivera chose to go for two at the end of the game rather than tie the game. Do you think that's a good move or not? Because to me, I think it was a good move. I mean, at this point, it's, you know, I know how close the NFC East is, how bad it is, and that anybody has a chance. But at that point, it's like, why not? Who cares? What do you really have to lose? Because I think Rivera's looking at it as, if we make the playoffs, we're probably not going far. So why not, you know, just try to put our guys in these kind of situations? To me, I thought it was, hey, you know what? It's a good move if he gets it. It's a bad move that he didn't get it. So why not? Go for it. The team isn't really that good. You know, Ron Rivera's just taking a chance there. There's really not much exactly. to really analyze from that. I mean, I could care less that he went for two or not. The game was mainly irrelevant. Yeah. And everyone keeps talking about it. the NFC East is still up for grabs. I mean, do you even want to make the playoffs at this point? I mean, who, I mean, that's... I, if I'm one of these teams that are one and five right now, I'm not looking at playoffs at this point. The only person I should be looking at that is the head coach, and yeah. that's someone that's trying to save their job. Right? You know, Ron Rivera's not even worried about his job. He just got hired. <laughs> yeah, I know. he don't care. Yeah, he's not going to get fired I, I over mean, this two point conversion. He's dealing with a he lot just of other stuff. Too. He got a crap roster. There's Deal. nothing to analyze with that. There really isn't. I think that honestly, when it comes down to it. It's good move from the basis of what he said after. You know, he said something along the lines like, you know, you got to, you know, play to win to learn how to win. And exactly. He, he obviously was showing his boys, oh, let's find a way to win this one right now at the very end. And, you know, they came a little short. So just like you're going to learn how to win, you're going to learn how to lose too. And these are close games and up and down. And Ron Rivera, again, just just got his job. There's no concern here. He, he knew this going in. He's going to take chances with a roster that isn't ready to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, so now this is going to move us into uh, Under the Microscope, our new segment. Under the Microscope. And it actually goes perfectly with the first topic. The NFC Least. Not the NFC East, it's the NFC Least. Basically, we've kind of gotten into it here and there uh, throughout this show so far. But you know what? It kind of goes to exactly what you just said before. Why do you want to make the playoffs if you're one of these teams? Like at this point, what are you why are you looking at the playoffs? Because when it comes down to it, you know, when you're talking about the Dallas Cowboys, the injuries that they have are season injuries. They're not injuries of like, all right, well, these guys are gonna end up coming back. You basically got back the guy that you were gonna get back from injury, and that's it. Everybody else is out for the season. So going into this game for the Dallas Cowboys, you know, the only offensive lineman that you had other than basically Connor Williams, but, uh, you know, it's whatever, but you had Zach Martin. Then Zach Martin goes down in this game. So now you're working with, you know, Connor Williams, who's the veteran of this offensive line now, and he's only been in the league three years. So you can see how 
dysfunctional this front line is. Then you obviously missing Dak. You know, when it comes down to the Eagles, they're, you know, Lane Johnson's in and out of every game. Their offensive line is up and down hurt. Carson Wentz playing terrible. Their uh, wide receivers are out. Deshaun Jackson, you know, then you have Alshon Jeffrey in and out. This Now you lose Zach Ertz for, I think, three to four weeks or something like that. So when it comes down to this whole division, the Giants are bad. The, the Washington football team is bad. The Eagles and the Cowboys are dealing with a lot of injuries that are making them bad. You I know, think, it, yo, they didn't have these in, injuries all year long. I think Philly did, but again, I mean, we're the, finding ways to lose. The thing, the thing that's when it comes down to it. I'm looking at Doug Peterson. Yo, there's not one team in this division that's intimidating at all. No, not at like, all. I and can't it shouldn't wait for be. any of these teams to come in. It, it, I mean, I'm, that's. You know, and everyone's talking. You know, I, I understand Dak Prescott being hurt, being this detrimental. I, I think it's hysterical that the Dallas tabloids are going to sit there talking about it. Oh, you know, if we had Dak Prescott, he wasn't going to do anything that game either. No, I know he wasn't. Not with that offensive line. Now with the offensive line, now with the defense. You, that know. you guys are dealing with right now, you have no idea how to handle them. No. Mike McCarthy has no idea how to handle them. It's, no. it's, it's an embarrassment. I mean, this guy's you paid him a lot of money. Yeah. And you fire someone and, like Jason Garrett, you're making Jason Garrett look good. See, and that's, that that's the same roster. That's the, that's the same. That was something that I, I addressed on Twitter last night during the game. And because everybody was like, well, you know, what was the difference between Jason Garrett? Listen, Jason Garrett had to go. He was there for 10 years. Everything that he has touched in this organization has gone stale. Everything that he's done was predictable. Well, even we, after we, that, I mean, you're no, looking I, at him in the New York Giants. He, I, it's the same I, I, thing. We don't need to even talk about. No, I know. Garrett and detail. there's really no comes, reason to. He play, he's the offensive coordinator for the Giants. They're the one of the worst offenses in football. Oh, I know. There's no debating that Jason Garrett was a terrible head coach, too. And you yeah, know what? There's really just no debating this. The, and but that's you're the making thing. Jason Garrett look good with this new signing because McCarthy looks completely lost. Yeah. I, and you the know what? I like NFC East overall. Like you said, nobody deserves to go to the playoffs here. But I have seen teams under 500 make the playoffs and win games in the playoffs. So Seattle. I understand that standpoint. But all four of these teams are at another level. No, I and I like know. They're, t- they're trust me, I'm I'm 110% with you on that. You know, when it comes down to it with the Dallas Cowboys, you know, their defense is just not up to snuff. They're, they're you just made not how, many, how much money did you put into it, too? I mean, again, this backtracks Dallas for a very long time. Oh, Dallas is in a lot of trouble. They're going to be in a lot of cap trouble because somehow you're going to have to pay Dak something. Yeah. And then you got all these guys on your defensive line that are all veterans and signed. Like, who's going to play after this? You haven't drafted anybody. The Dallas Cowboys are in for a humongous, humongous. Well, that's the one company. thing that they do do well is draft. They, you know, they're, I mean, their center now who is taking over for Travis Frederick, they drafted him. He they drafted him in like the fifth round, which was absolutely insane that he dropped to them like that. But you know, just the fact that you you pick up C.D. Lamb, you draft a guy like uh, Biadish, then you draft Trayvon Diggs. You know, the guys that they're drafting are playing well, and it's just the just everything. Sean Lee being out, you know, to start the season. And just not coming back, it doesn't look like he's going to come back. Sean Lee's like a – again, who's, I just, then who, that's, then that's it's, what I'm it's, saying. It furthers my point. When it comes down to any it. Young, you don't have any young talent. All these young guys that you, haven't, that you have rostered are not good. 
Same thing with Philly. I, again, I'm not just trying to no, I, this yeah. in Dallas. No, I know. Philly's in the same boat. Giants are in the same boat. The second you have an injury, you're lost. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're just completely lost. You don't have any kind of depth, which means you're not a good football team. Right you have now, zero I mean, depth. right now, they, San they, Fran has proven this point amazingly. Yeah. You and, can't and, lose more people than the San Francisco 49ers have lost, and they haven't skipped a beat. I honestly feel like if the Dallas Cowboys had a decent defense, I think they'd be all right. And it's but crazy it's just, because who's missing on that defense? I know Griffin's in there. I know Aldon Smith's in there. there what, there's what really, get these guys there's really nobody missing. That's the thing. You know, the only what did you one. Get I mean, these guys for? you you basically you missed um, Leighton Van Der Esch for four weeks or whatever it was. He's a good talent. He's a good draft pick. And Why I don't mean, you stay and then you lose grown? all this lose, unnecessary money being spent. You lose Gerald McCoy exactly before the game, the season it's starts. Unnecessary. So to me, like the defense has been. The the craziest thing I've ever seen is just you know how how bad they are. I mean I thought because you know when it comes down to it they just they feel like they were good enough in the positions that they are like where they are, and it's just showing that it's not. I mean to me I don't think I don't think Earl Thomas would be a huge upgrade, but you know what he would help. <laughs> you know when it comes down to it, Gerald McCoy would have helped. It sucks that he's hurt. I just don't understand where the money's coming from for all this. These are all guys on one-year deals. When it comes down to the defense, Everson Griffin's on a one-year deal. Uh, Olden Smith's on a one-year deal. So who do you have? So what was your preparation for this year to win this year, have no draft picks, and then clearly you have no depth behind this? I, the, and, and that's I don't the understand thing. The strategy the, of what the, what they were doing. That's the thing. Their depth is just getting hurt. You know that, and, and it's come down to that, left and right with the Dallas Cowboys. And I, uh, you know, it's just like I said, the defense is the most surprising thing overall. The entire NFC East, it's a surprise. I'm not yeah. even going to go really into the Dallas Cowboys anymore. There's no, no reason to. They've underperformed. Philly, the Giants were known to. Um, what Giants in Washington weren't expected to be good. Yeah, it's been Philly and Dallas that absolutely under, underperformed, and really. Should really take a good look on the under the eyeglass on head coaching with both teams because right now you're finding ways to lose. <laughs> yeah, you can't give me injuries. You just can't because yeah. I'm watching other teams do it. So, I'm watching a team miss a starting quarterback, running back, running back number two because they have Tevin Coleman. Remember? Yeah, they're on running back number three oh, in San Fran right now. Dallas can't even keep their running back one from holding on to the football. <laughs> yeah, that's and then that's you don't an even issue. and then you finally punish them. I give McCar- uh, McCarthy credit, but. I mean, enough's it's, enough. The guy's got like five fumbles this year. What's going on? Where did you, you draft him third overall? When it <laughs> what are we doing here? So Why now, you don't draft the running back? The running back should never be drafted in the first round ever again. Saquon I mean, Barkley listen, I, risk. I can't, I can't go along with that because of what Zeke has meant to this team. And for anybody that said like he should be benched, this and that, it's just, it's stupid. Zeke it's temporary. Means, You're showing an entire. See, that's the thing. You're putting someone else. We're Islander fans, right? I don't mean to go yeah. off subject, but when you put a player above everybody else, no, I know. As, a, I know. as another player on the team, because we're all different human beings. Yeah, like that's not how. Uh, this listen, works. I I understood yeah, losing control where they, bad. you know, just just having them sit a couple plays out. I listen. I'm yeah, I'm all for that. I, I'm I'm that. all for that. I I was glad that he did that. Uh, you know, when it comes down to Sometimes like people saying they head. should cut him, you're not just and doing it. Like it's, you're not it's doing like, this to punish the guy. Yeah, but you're not doing it to punish him. You're doing it to give an understanding. Like, listen, get your head straight and get back out there. 
It's for everybody. It's not really. It's for all the teammates, all the guys that are putting blood and sweat into every practice, and then all of a sudden they come in and their running back's not, you know, is fumbling the football, yeah. and then you're not even benching them. But they did. They did the right thing there. Overall, though, what you said, this entire division is a disgrace right now, and there's no end in sight. Yeah, and now we move on to another guy that uh, was a nice, nice thing to see, you know, and you saw it in in your game. Tua Tangavaloa finally gets into a game. I think he he maybe threw the ball twice or whatever it is. But now he gets a start. They named him the starter this week, which was interesting because, you know what, Fitzpatrick hasn't been playing bad. He hasn't been playing great, but he hasn't been playing bad, and they're still in the running to win the AFC East. So to me it was a little questionable. Now what happens now? What do you do? What does this mean for Fitzpatrick? You know, uh, clear. What happened? What does it mean for Fitzpatrick now? You know, basically. Uh, you know, it's clearly Brian Flores is saying that they've wanted to win from the very get go. That they belong up there, and the, you know, top of the AFC East with yeah. uh, you know the Bills and the Patriots. Uh, you know, going to try to sign Le'Veon Bell was perfect proof of that. They've also four other running backs on their roster. They got to find uh, the answer to there. But uh, <clears throat> I think they just have you know they have a lot of exploring to do. They got to see what they have with Tua. And then uh, go from there because they have a very talented roster that's finding ways to win games with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, you got to find a way to win games with your young quarterback. Like I said, you know, uh, you want to get that transition done earlier rather than later. And I think, you know, a couple weeks under Fitzpatrick and watching this team win games as a whole gives you an understanding as, a, you know, the new quarterback what's, uh, what's required of you in order to win games. Yeah, I feel like uh, they're making this move now because I don't think they expected to be at this point. Yep. You know, I felt like maybe they, they expected to have Tua, you know, Fitzpatrick playing bad. They put in, or the, the team is playing bad overall. They put Tua in just to get him back in. Whatever. But now I think that they were playing well. Now it's like, all right, well, we can't, like, we're getting to that point. We're almost at the midway point of the season, and we haven't even given Tua any kind of play on the field. So especially no preseason, no nothing. So, you know, this is, this is huge for, you know, Miami and they're like, all right, well, we mm-hmm. can't go anywhere further, you know, without playing to us. So let's, you know, yep. put them in. So I wouldn't be surprised if they, they try to shop Fitzpatrick now. I would not be surprised. So yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously they're going to need a backup quarterback too. And I think Fitzpatrick's obviously shown he's more than capable and that's yeah. why you're paying him right now. I don't think a trade's required. So now continuing with that division, the AFC East is the next portion of our under the microscope. And uh, I mean, this is another division that it's other than the bills. It's not really that good. Basically. I mean, you have the dolphins that are staying around. We'll see what Tua does, but you have the worst team in the league and the jets. And then you have, you know, like the the rest of this division that it's like, uh, you know what? I think the Bills, as I said, are a um, clear-cut winner of this division. The Patriots are, you know, they're a tough team to to kind of go with because it's like you don't want to bet against Bill Belichick, but you're also looking at it, it's like, all right, well, they don't they don't have Tom Brady, and they've already had an unimaginable amount of people opt out, and their defense is still good. But their offense is stuttering, so it's like it. It's a very tough team to to really wrap your hands around, basically. 
And I, I feel like that's the kind of thing when, when it comes to the, the Dolphins. And now the Dolphins are definitely a big question mark because you don't know how two is going to play with this team. So it, it's the, the Patriots and the Dolphins are a very big question mark in the middle of this division. You have the Bills that are clear-cut first, the Jets that are clear-cut fourth, and the middle is just, you know, some scribble-scrabble, you know, basically. And, you know, just I know you're in, engrossed in this in this division, obviously, because you're a Jets fan. So, overall, your unbiased opinion, and I know, yeah, obviously, we, we kind of we kind of guessed it with this division. But, like, how are you feeling at this point? Uh, honestly, you know, the Bills, you know, aside from a couple of, you know, slow weeks against two very good teams, they, you know, they look really good. They look like they're going to be the division winner, followed by the Pats, potentially both making the playoffs. I don't think the Dolphins are going to have enough throughout the season. Uh, I think they're going to be trying to experiment. But if two is the next big thing, he can easily, you know, find a way to, yeah. you know, boost his team up and possibly make the playoffs. But there's a lot of unpredictable variables with that. And then obviously the Jets are uh, – Got a spot for their own. <laughs> <laughs> so going on to, I think, the best division in this league, the NFC West. As I said earlier, every one of these teams has a winning record. And this is going to be a very interesting because you're going to look at this, this division and one of these teams, maybe two of these teams are going to be out of the playoffs. And an NFC East team is going to be in the playoffs with a ridiculously lower record than one of these teams that misses out. So this is a very a very rival-driven, you know, tough division when it comes down to it. You know, you have the Rams, who I said, you know, the Rams are a team, and I predicted them to be last in this division. I didn't think they were going to be where they're at now, being 4-2. and two. But they're, they're also a question mark just because, like I said earlier, outside of the NFC East, they're 0-2, and one of those being against their own division. So that's where the issue comes with the Rams. But going on, you know, Seattle, Seattle has some defense issues. I still think, you know, obviously they're still undefeated, but... I still think that Russell Wilson will be able to float this team all the way to the playoffs, whether it be through a division win or a wild card. You know, then you have the the 49ers who are dealing with a lot of injuries and they're still winning. And then you have, you know, the Arizona Cardinals that one game they could look like, wow, this team is tough. You know, they have a lot of um a lot of talent overall. You know, their defense is good. Buda Baker, I mean, there's no, there's nothing more I can say about this guy. This guy was all over the field last night. Was all over the field last night. The, the pick that he had against Andy Dalton was absolutely ridiculous. If you watch it on replay, he knew Andy Dalton was going to him basically before the ball even left his hand. And he broke on it. Just this team overall, Patrick Peterson, Buda Baker. Then you go to the offensive side. You have uh, Christian Kirk. Even you could put in Isabella there. Then you add uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald. You know, obviously they're struggling with Kenyon Drake, 
who ended up putting a, a nice stat line on the board last night, but also because he had an 80-yard run at the end of the game. But altogether, it, you know, it comes down to how Kyler Murray plays, and you know, he's going to keep them around in this division. And if he plays bad, it's just, you know, this team has a lot of potential, but it's just in a very, very, very tough division. Yeah, no, I uh, <clears throat> honestly, you know, when it comes down to it, I think the Rams are going to find themselves at the very bottom of this on the fortunate uh, basis that you know, these other three teams look really good. I don't think there's anybody catching Seattle. I think that Arizona looks really, really intimidating. Uh, San Fran's doing nothing but getting healthier, even though they lost a couple of key guys. Uh, you know, so there's a possibility that Arizona could trump San Fran here. And, you know, you're looking at uh, Seattle, Arizona potentially making the playoffs. And, you know, someone like Seattle, I mean, uh, San Fran or the Rams might be uh, outside looking in based on. Uh, Which is sick when you're really thinking about it. Progresses. But um, the last under the microscope, the Bengals trade talks, because now we're talking about John Ross demanding a trade. But now they're also saying A.J. Green may be the first one to be traded. So right there, that's two of two of your wide receivers out when you have a rookie quarterback who's been playing very well, to be honest with you. I, I don't understand like this whole trade talk thing. I know A.J. Green was uh, franchise tagged. And with his injuries, I think the, the Bengals are like a little weary of, about giving him uh, you know a decent contract. So I understand that, but John Ross demanding the trade, it's it's interesting. I think this team needs to build around these guys. You know, this this could be a very very good offense because I think Joe Burrow's playing very well. So it, just overall with the team itself, they're a struggle. But I mean, they expected this. This is a rebuild. You were the number one pick. You had the number one pick in the draft. Obviously, you knew it was going to be a rebuild. Yeah, you do this on the basis that, uh, you know, you want to trade some of your big-time wide receivers because you can uh, obviously always find wide receivers in the free agent wire. And then on top of it, there's just too many holes in that, you know, Cincinnati team that, you know, trading your wide receiver talent is the way to go. You know, you got to add more picks. you got to add more weapons to this defense. Clearly, the defense is uh, one of the worst tackling defenses in football. And it's nice to get the number one overall pick in Joe Burrow and, you know, have win a couple of games here and there this season. But, you know, I think they're just they have too many missing pieces, and I think the right move is to trade these big time wide receivers and try to get as much value as you can. All right. Well, now we move over to our other segment where we were wrong. Well, where we went wrong. I'll start off. I got three. We actually both have three. So my three are first off, showing any kind of hope. In the Dallas Cowboys. That's where I went wrong. That, and I'm done with showing any hope. I don't care what they look like on paper. I'm done showing any hope with the Dallas Cowboys. Second, I picked Washington plus one in this game against the Giants. No, and man. I am so mad <laughs> how that game <laughs> turned out. And my third, having any faith in the Vikings beating the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, why would I have any faith in a team that's showing that they're pretty, pretty really like really good offensively and pretty good defensively to beat up on a very bad defense and a winless team? Why would I have any faith in them? But I did, and the Vikings hurt me in the long run. 
I apologize if anybody went with my picks on that. <laughs> but, Kev, you went wrong. You started Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I mean, like 33 points. I know, but he still threw three interceptions. So, I mean, just imagine if he didn't throw the three interceptions. Probably then, had six touchdowns. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, then, it was a good start. Atlanta's defense has got awful. I know. I know. I blame the coach for the Minnesota Vikings for, you know, overthrowing the ball way too much in the beginning of that game, especially when you're running the ball pretty well. And Atlanta's defense can't tackle because it's all twos right now yeah. for them. They have all the injuries in the world, too. Yeah. And, uh, you sat the def- uh, the Steelers defense. That was, yeah, that was pretty bad. Uh, yeah. Pick six was good. <laughs> yeah. And uh and then kinda going in the same way my mine was going. Showing any hope in the Jets. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's completely out the window. Like you, figured- as you heard from this show. You know, I literally am at the point where it's just Adam Gase continue to have this team lose. I don't yeah. I don't watch them on Sundays. There's just no point. They're uh they're clearly a lost cause. Um there's no other way to put it. Uh, you just got to wait for Gates to go out and hopefully give some incentive for a head coach to come over here and be our coach. Yeah, and I was gonna wait, you know, on team like on on stuff like this until, you know, at the end of the season where we can go back to our preview show, and just kind of go by our divisions. I was gonna show us where we went wrong, but uh, I think I'm going wrong. I think we both went wrong with the Dallas Cowboys, and. Uh, you know, you showing any hope in the Jets? I, I don't think that's going to turn around. So I figured I'd put that in there. So, <laughs> yeah. so we'll move on to the Stardom Sitem for Week Seven. Stardom Sitem. I'll start off. Start quarterback. I'm going to go with Justin Herbert against Jacksonville's defense. It's not bad. Yeah, I, I just I I like the way that Justin Herbert's been playing. You know, in the he really first was five a streamer. Games. Yeah. So I I, uh, I like Justin Herbert against Jacksonville's defense. I'm gonna go Stafford. He's going up against Atlanta, and I've talked about it. Every every quarterback you can go look it up. Every quarterback against Atlanta so far is like throwing over 25 points on uh, yeah. fantasy football. Uh, Stafford's a can't miss as a start this week. So my sit quarterback is gonna be Ryan Tannehill against uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. I know Ryan Tannehill's been playing well. I just uh, you know I still feel like Steelers defense is one or two. In the in the league, so one hundred percent, I stay away from Ryan Tannehill. Well, I'm going to go with Jared Goff going against against Chicago. Chicago, uh, not really the best matchup. Uh, I don't see this being a high scoring game by any affair. I don't think anybody in that game should be touched. Actually, as a matter of fact, my start running back is going to be Ronald Jones against the Las Vegas Raiders. I think they'll be able to run the ball well uh, against Las Vegas, and I think that he's he's definitely a, a nice pickup. I'm going to go with Kareem Hunt as the start running back for me. I think Cincinnati's a can't-miss matchup, uh, and I think he's just due because last week was a little bit of a disappointment. Yeah, my sit running back is going to be Josh Jacobs against Tampa Bay's defense. Josh Jacobs hasn't topped 100 yards in any game, and of his five touchdowns, they only came in two games this season, week one and week five. He's averaging 3.6 yards per carry, and Tampa Bay's got a solid run defense, so... I'm going to say I'm going to go with Daryl Henderson. Uh, I think that this running game is uh, too unpredictable. I don't know who's really the starter here. Uh, I think Henderson is the starter, but it's not a great matchup. Uh, he's definitely not playing every down right now for them. It's just not a really good start this week. I think uh, if you have someone better, I mean, it's going to be hard with bye weeks, but if you have other better running backs, uh, he would be someone that I'd be ideally not want to play this week. 
Yeah, and my start wide receiver is going to be T. Higgins against Cleveland Browns defense. Cleveland, I mean, they uh, they like to give up stuff in in, in the pass for, the passing game. So I like T. Higgins in this one. Uh, I'm gonna go with DeAndre Hopkins. Just came off a slow week this week. Obviously, last night, um, Seattle's defense has uh, been giving up points to everybody. Uh, I know he's the number one quarter, uh, wide receiver in football, technically, uh, yeah. but pay the money on daily uh, DraftKings as well. This guy's a can't miss player. My sit wide receiver is going to be Robert Woods against Chicago's defense. Basically, the same way you were going with uh, with Jared Goff, but. Robert Woods only caught four of his ten targets for 29 yards last week, and now he's going against the the, the Chicago Bears defense. I'd, I'd I'd sit Robert Woods. Yeah, I'm going to sit Jamison Crowder. The guy's been great all year. Every game he's started and every game he's played fully, he has thrown uh, double digit points up. But uh, this Buffalo defense with Jadavius White probably going to be blanketing him all game. Yeah, it's going to be a tough. Uh, it's going to be a tough for him to get any kind of uh, separation in that matchup. Start tight end. I'm going to go with Hunter Henry against Jacksonville's defense. I'm going to go with Hayden Hurst against the Detroit Lions. And then my sit tight end is going to be George Kittle against New England's defense just because, I mean, as tough as it is to actually sit George Kittle, even after dominating in Sunday night, Patriots and Belichick just know how to take away that, that tight end. And, uh, you know, that's I'm just going to, you know, set your limitations with uh, <laughs> with George Kittle this week. I'm going to go with Tyler Higby against that whole situation with the Chicago Bears and St. Louis Rams game does not look ideal for fantasy purposes at all. Yeah. And Except I, for defense, which I'm going to go with my <laughs> start defense and I'm going right. to go with the Rams defense against Chicago. There you go. I'm going to go with my start defense with uh, the New Orleans Saints against Carolina. And from start to sit, I'm going to go from Pittsburgh defense, uh, you know, being the, uh, you know, sit defense last week, and I'm going to have them sit again against the Tennessee Titans. I mean, they've proven me wrong before, but right now Tennessee looks like the best team in football, and it's not really uh, an ideal situation for Steelers. I mean, you put Steelers defense in every week at this rate. uh, That's how good they've been, but uh, Tennessee's definitely one of the uh, fearful ones. Yeah. And then uh, we go over to the waiver wire pickups. Waiver wire pickups. And my waiver wire pickup is going to be Tim Patrick of the Broncos. He is 18% rostered. So uh, look for him. He's definitely. Uh, I think it's the guy Robinson from the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. I think uh, Mahal Cole Hartman wasn't really on the field as much. He was getting the hype early on last week. I think that's quickly adjusted to Robinson with, I think, five catches for about 65 yards. He was out there a lot, and I think it continues. And he's definitely a primetime pickup and definitely a good waiver wire fill-in this week. Yeah, and he's uh, he's rostered on 1% of rosters. So definitely uh, <laughs> the example of a, uh, a streamer. So sleeper of the week. Sleeper of the week. I'm going to go with DeAndre Swift against Atlanta. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with the guy Ferkser. Uh He's the backup tight end for... The um, in the uh, the Tennessee Titans a tough matchup against Pittsburgh, but if John Smith can't play in this game, this role has been no doubt producing higher than basically any other tight end situation. So I'll take that matchup with Pittsburgh, uh, especially in daily leagues. He'll be very cheap if there's no John Smith, and at the same time, uh, if you're not if you're missing a tight end this week, including John Smith, uh, he's he's not. It could be worse fill-ins. Yeah, Anthony Ferkser, a uh, New Jersey native, um, <laughs> but. 
that will do it for the show this week. We'll be back next week talking week seven while we get into week eight. So that will do it. Check out our picks. We actually went, I think we went uh, six and two this week with our picks. We went six and zero oh last week, six and two this week. You went four and zero, oh, so looking good. Now. Seven and zero oh in the last two weeks. <laughs> yeah. baby. There you go, there you go. So we'll uh, we'll get our picks to you guys later in the week, but that will do it. I'm Jerry. Kevin. Beat breezy. Beat breezy. And it is all over. You've been listening to Running Up the Score. We run up the score on Sports Radio.